after service tonight, there is a celebration for a young lady turning four years old today. You're welcome to join us downstairs for charity. That's Reverend Sister Hill's daughter. I was asking her before service, teasing her a little bit. I said, it's somebody's birthday today. And she jumped up and said, it's mine. I said, how do you know? Were you there? She couldn't quite respond to that, so. To be honest, I don't remember the day I was born either, right? <laughs> Just being, but anyhow. So after service downstairs, you're welcome to join us. Hey, a couple of quick announcements. Remember, uh, after each service, we're still looking for those. And I know that there have been people that have volunteered and signed up. Um, we want it to be automatic that will help out with the cleaning. So if you are if you're signed up to help out with the vacuuming and sweeping the stairwells and doing the bathrooms, then uh, after every service, we're just asking for those 15 minutes to knock that out, and it will save um, Reverend Hill hours of time. And so we really do appreciate that. Um, if you're signed up for that and you're a little unsure about exactly what needs to be done, talk to him, and we'll make sure it's done. We'll make sure it's done uh, for the glory of God. Excellently. Amen? Amen. Still have a baptism. I know I signed up somebody else. Somebody else came and was asking about it, and we helped them sign up. We're just about ready to schedule that. And so if you do need to be baptized since you've been saved, make sure you sign up downstairs on the first floor on the glass case. We have a sign-up sheet. Put your name, phone number, email, and we will notify you when we have it scheduled, which is really coming soon. Also, don't forget our 90-day challenge. Our challenge is to have... Uh, consecutive Sundays with over 200 in attendance. We are working towards that. Part of what we ask you to do is the 2023 challenge. That is 20, pray 20 minutes a day. Two, invite at least two people a day. And three, um, read at least three chapters of the Bible a day. So if we do our part and we pray and ask God, God bring those people in. We want to grow. It's not, it's not, about, it's not about numbers. I was thinking about this today. In one sense, if the devil can convince us it's all about uh, doing something for the pastor or doing something for the organization, then we'll be, we will be hesitant to put our full heart into it. But if we understand, rightfully so, we're working for God's glory. We're reaching people who are, who are destined for eternity, lost and without God. That's why we work. That's why we do what we do. And if you keep that in mind, then our labor is rightfully as unto the Lord, and we want to do our very best for him. So we're in the middle of that 90-day challenge. Pray at least 20 minutes a day. Just think of the year, 2023. Invite at least two people a day. Read at least three chapters a day. We told you if you're already doing those things and you can level up, do 40, 44 and 4. Or do 50, 55 and 5. Just hold yourself to some standard with the idea of I want to build a spiritual habit every day doing something. I heard Reverend Tuhig, I was listening to the service of the day, and uh, he was mentioning how that you do something for three weeks, it becomes a habit, and uh, that's so true. Arnold Schwarzenegger said, he's 75 now, he still goes to the gym and works out. He said, I wake up in the morning, I have my coffee, as soon as my coffee's done, I go to the gym and I, I work out. He said, it's not until after I work out that I start thinking. He said, if I start thinking about it ahead of time, I may convince myself not to go. But I've just made it such a part of my habit that it's just something I do every day. Well, if he can do that for his body, surely we can do something uh, along those lines 
for our spirit and soul. Amen. It's not a, it's not a, for me coming to church on Tuesday night, you say, preacher, it's your job. No, it's not, it's not even that. Even when it wasn't my job, it wasn't even something I thought about. It's Tuesday night, it's Bible study. Of course, I'm going to go to church. Amen. Thursday night, it's church service. Of course, I'm going to be there. Sunday morning, Sunday night. That's just the way it rolls. If you take the decision out of it, then you already know you're going to be doing the right thing. If you open, it, open yourself up, well, I'll go unless there's a better reason for me not to go. The devil will surely give you a better reason for you not to go. Amen. Let's just knock him out of the equation and keep on going. And then, uh, so... 200 in church on consecutive Sundays before these 90 days are up. I believe we can do it. Let's work together. We also have a, uh, a goal financially for our building fund. There's a lot of things we want to do. Um, we've talked about some of those things. We just need to build up enough finances. So you continue to give. And God will bless as we go forward. All right. Now, let us pray. Reverend Tuig, sir, would you please pray over our Bible study and teacher. Don't take any of that time off of my 30 minutes. Amen. Reverend, go ahead. Amen, amen. Now we had covered a lot of scriptures in our last Bible study. And we walked you through what speaking in tongues was all about. We shared with you, it has really nothing to do with salvation. When we get saved, we repent of our sins, we turn to Christ, we put our faith in him, we ask him to save us, he comes into our life. But he gave us a commandment. After that we are born again, he wants us to be filled with the Spirit. In Ephesians 5 and 18, he said, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. He told them in the book of Acts, he said, um, he said, Wait until you be endued with power from on high. Don't depart from Jerusalem. You stay there until you get the Holy Ghost baptism. So we walked you through the Old Testament in the book of uh, Isaiah, how that, he said, With stammering lips and another tongue will I speak. To my people. Whoops, I went too far. I don't want to go there yet. So let me back up just a little bit. We really want to get to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 tonight. We walked through so many of these scriptures. I want to get to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and we're going to go through that chapter with you tonight. All right, so if you have your Bible, you can turn with me, and I will bring it up here. Uh, there we go. Now, in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul was writing to a church that had some problems going on. They were all about the external show and not necessarily using their gifts and using what God has given them for the good of the church. And so Paul had to correct some things. He said in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he dealt with it and he said, Covet earnestly the best gifts, yet I show yet show I unto you a more excellent way. So he wanted all of us to have an earnest desire to have these spiritual gifts. But some of those spiritual gifts were going to end. Love was the thing that was never going to end. And so in contrasting that, he said you need to have love first and foremost. Now, if you keep that in your mind, you understand where he's going in chapter 14. So he says, follow after charity, love, and desire spiritual gifts, but rather you may prophesy. Now, 
He tells us plainly, I want you to have a desire for the spiritual things. I want you to desire these spiritual gifts. Don't be afraid of them. Don't shy away from them. These are things that God is going to give. Now, uh, when I was a kid, after we opened our presents on Christmas morning, I would look forward to going to my grandparents. Sometimes we'd hit both grandparents, though they were far apart. Sometimes we'd hit both, both grandparents or shortly after, maybe the next day. And I would look forward to going to one grandparent because I knew that they would give good gifts. I knew when I went to the other grandparent, I was going to get a sweater. Now, sweaters are good, but as a kid, that wasn't the gift I was after. Amen? And so I wanted to you know, get the presents from mom and dad because they knew what I was wanting. And oftentimes they would purchase what I was asking for and give it to me for Christmas. Go to the one grandparent because they uh, had tapped into what mom and dad were doing. And they would kind of give some of those neat things there. But the other grandparent loved them to death. And I know they loved me. And probably that was probably the best thing they could have given me because that sweater lasted beyond some of those toys that broke after a week or two. But I knew pretty sure I was going to get a sweater. Amen. Now, that would probably be all right gift now. Amen. <laughs> Enjoy that sweater. Now, if I knew that certain relatives would give good gifts, imagine what God is going to give. You know, sometimes when we deal with our, our children, we want to tell them, hey, listen, we've been where you're at. We've gone beyond. We've come back. If you would just follow us, we're going to let you know some of these things that we're teaching you are things that will really be a benefit to you. They'll be a blessing in the long term. There'll, there'll, there'll be things that will, will help you. And sometimes our children will look at us, teenagers especially, and say, man, he doesn't know what he's talking about and do their own thing. Sometimes we do God the same way. God says, I've got some gifts to give you. I want you to desire them. That word there meant to burn with a white hot hunger, a desire for these spiritual gifts. I want you to desire them. And then he begins to give us some teaching on how that we would use them. Now, in verse 1 he said, but rather that you may prophesy. Now here's the thing that you have to understand. Prophecy is a message from God given to the preacher and made clear to the people. So preaching is prophesying. Now prophecy is also foretelling. So we could say it this way. Prophecy is forth-telling, putting forth the Word of God like we're doing tonight. It's also foretelling. It's going to tell something that hasn't yet happened yet. And so by context, you have to figure out whether it's forth-telling or foretelling. If uh, um, somebody gets up and says, before the end of the year, God's going to do this, that, and the other, well, that's foretelling. That's one type of prophesying. But if we're just preaching the Word of God, that's another type of prophesying. Here's the, the end result. The message that God wants to relate to the people is clear to the people. And that's what God is after. He wants His message to be made clear to you. So when Paul begins to deal with spiritual gifts, especially speaking in tongues, he's saying prophecy is better than speaking in tongues because the message from God is made clear to the person. The message from God given to a person who speaks in tongues is not yet made clear to the people that hear it. Doesn't do you any good. You don't know what I'm saying or what somebody else is saying because there's no interpreter. You follow? 
to prophecy because automatically, if I'm getting a message from God and I'm making it clear to you, you understand it because it's in English. And so the clear message from God is made known to you. That's awesome. But speaking in tongues, the message is coming from God. There's a message there. The person speaks it in unknown tongues, but it's not yet made clear to you. It doesn't benefit you. So keep that in mind as we go forward. Verse 2, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God, for no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. Now we shared this verse with you last week in the sense to make clear to you there's a difference between the gift of tongues and difference between those who get filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues when, they, when they're baptized in the Holy Ghost. Everybody that gets filled with the Holy Ghost speaks in other tongues. Not everybody has the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues is me being supernaturally enabled to speak another known language to man. German, Rwandan, Swahili, whatever. In which case, if you're Swahili or German, and God gives me a message, supernaturally enables me to speak German to you because you understand German, the message from God is clear to you. Do you see? That's the purpose. God wants his message to be made clear to you. Now, he that speaks in an unknown tongue, right here, verse 2, you're seeing it? It says, he speaks not unto man, but unto God. No man understandeth him. So nobody understands him because it's not meant for mankind. It's meant for God to pray through him to God for him. We made clear to you last week the difference between praying at the altar in a personal prayer language, uh, praying about whatever sin or difficulty or trouble or financial need you may have. That's not meant for everybody in the whole church to hear, right? And so in that case, maybe you're praying in other tongues down there. That's fine. But if you got up and you said, thus saith the Lord, and you spoke a message in tongues and there's no interpreter, well, that's not going to work because the message from God isn't made clear to the people that hear it. We don't know what they're saying. So there must be an interpreter when there's a message to the church. So keep that in mind. All right. Verse, he that prophesied speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. So when I preach or a, a person preaches or teaches, they are preaching to edify, build somebody up, to exhort them, to ed, egg them on to do what God wants and to comfort them. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. Now, notice that. Speaking in tongues without an interpreter doesn't mean that it's useless because the person that's praying in other tongues is, what does it say? He is edifying himself. Amen? So God praying through me is building me up as I pray to God. It doesn't need to be known to my understanding. Paul's going to make that clear here. It's not necessarily a message to the church. It's not the gift of tongues. But as I pray into the tongues, I'm being built up. I'm edifying myself. Then Paul said this, verse 5. You're following 1 Corinthians 14. I would that you all spake with tongues. Paul's saying, listen, I want you all, every one of you, to speak in tongues. But then he said, in the context of a church, but rather that you prophesy. Why? Because here's what was happening. In, in Corinth, these people were all standing up and they're speaking in tongues. And people were coming in saying, what in the world are they saying? It was scaring some folks. And Paul said, man, you can't do that. Because the people aren't understanding what's going on. And he's going to, I'm going to 
give you a little preview. He's going to say, if there's no interpreter, don't say anything. If there is an interpreter, the most we want is two or three messages in tongues and interpretation of tongues. But if you come in and you're just speaking in tongues and, and you're putting it out there for everyone to hear and they don't understand what you're saying, they're going to think you're a, a wild man, you're a barbarian. But he says, I want you all to speak in tongues. But in the context of the church, it's better that you prophesy and a known message from God through the person being made known to somebody else. Because the end result is the person understands what God is saying to them. So that's better because if I'm getting a message from God and I preach it or teach it and Crystal hears it, she understands what God wants her to do. That's God's desire. If I get a message from God, if I'm just speaking in tongues, Crystal's not going to understand what I'm saying. And so the message from God is not made known to her. That's why it's not as good as prophecy going on. Greater is he that prophesied than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret, that the church may receive edifying. Now, if somebody interprets that message, I stand up and give a message in tongues. And then Reverend Hill stands up and interprets the message into English. Then you understand what God's saying. Tongues and interpretation of tongues is equal to prophecy. Because the end result is the known message from God is made clear to the hearer in both sides. But if there's no interpreter, that doesn't work. Follow with me. Except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. Whoops, I missed a verse. Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? Except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine. You don't understand what I'm saying. It's not going to do any good to you. And even things without life-giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? Speaking specifically, there were um, trumpets and various sounds that would be given to an army. Charge, retreat, go left, go right, predetermined ahead of time. If it wasn't clear to the army, they wouldn't know what to do. But there were certain sounds that were made clear to the army. Okay, it's time to charge. So he's saying the same thing. It's got to be clear. For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to battle? If, if it's warbly and it's not clear and it's not predetermined, nobody knows what to do. So likewise, except ye, so likewise ye, except ye utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For you shall speak into the air. Again, speaking about in a church setting where others are listening. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, none of them is without signification. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian. He that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. Matter of fact, if you go all the way back to uh, the book of Genesis, and you find when God confounded the languages at the Tower of Babel, because God had said, I want you to spread out through the whole earth, populate, multiply. And instead, the people all stayed in that one localized place. And God said, I got a way to get you to spread out. And so he confused their languages. All of a sudden, I'm speaking to Crystal and she's not understanding. I think he's talking about my mom. <laughs> what do you think? He said, yeah, we better get away from him. And then she and more, they went and, and they did what God wanted them to do, spread out. And they started populating another country. And I said, I, I think she's talking about my wife. And so I said, I don't like her anymore. I'm going to go over here. And so everybody spread out. 
which is what God wanted. He confounded the languages. So when we can't understand each other, we become, there's a, there's a blockage there. We become barbarians one to another. I know I'm teaching quickly because I have a lot to cover. Hopefully, if you don't catch it all now, you can always rewind it on YouTube or Facebook. Even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to edifying of the church. So here's, you remember at the end of the previous chapter, Paul said, I want you to get these spiritual gifts, but let me, let me tell you, there's the greatest gift was love. So whenever God gives me something, I should use that for the benefit of others. So even the spiritual gifts are to be used for the benefit of others. And so whenever I exercise a spiritual gift in a selfish way, that's not bringing about God's desire. So Paul's being very clear. Seek that you may excel to the edifying, the building up of the church. So he's telling us that we have to govern ourselves. That we have to bring ourselves into subjection. But the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. We should not exercise spiritual gifts that are going to injure others. Do you follow? And he's going to make it clear as we go on. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. All right. Those of us who are filled with the Holy Ghost, what should we be doing? Praying that we should, we may interpret. Amen. Now, part of what's happened in, in church culture is that we have been exposed to so much fakery that it creates a distaste for some of the exercising of the spiritual gifts. People may come up and push you over or, you know, prophesy things that don't come to pass. One guy got up and he said, thus saith the Lord, as I was with Moses in the ark, so I will be with you. And he sat down. And then he got up and said, thus saith the Lord, oops, as I was with Noah in the ark, not Moses. And that's not God. Amen. You hear stuff like that. God doesn't make mistakes. He knows who was in the ark, right? So we get exposed to that and it leaves a distaste in our mouth. Now, that doesn't mean that we should turn away from the spiritual gifts. It means we should be careful. It means that we should seek to be led by the Spirit. But we don't want to quash or, or do away with what God has said should be in the church also. So keep that in mind. So he said, if you speak in an unknown tongue, pray that you may interpret. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. Now, here's another problem. Sometimes people, when we're talking about being filled with the Holy Ghost after you're saved, and we say, you're going to pray in this other tongue, they say, well, I don't know what I'm saying. Well, that's exactly what Paul said. Your understanding would be unfruitful. You wouldn't understand. God's praying through you, using your human mouth, forming words, syllables. He's praying to God for you. Your understanding is not going to, you're not going to understand what you're saying. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. So there's times that as Christians, we're going to pray in our personal prayer language. We're going to edify ourselves by praying in the Holy Spirit. And there's times that we're going to pray in English. God help me. I don't want to be lazy. God help me to be a better soul winner. God help me, whatever it may be. We're going to be praying in English, and then we're going to let God pray through us. Then he went on to say this. 
This is interesting. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Now, again, in your personal prayer life, in your personal time of worship, singing in the Spirit would be absolutely called for. That's what Paul said. I'm going to sing in the Spirit. Now, would that be appropriate in the church service, in song service, with other people hearing you? No, because the same thing applies. Somebody's going to hear you praying, singing in other tongues, and they're going to be like, what in the world is she saying? This is weird. And it's going to seem strange to them. So Paul said, rein in your spiritual gifts so that you use it in love, so it's for the good of the church and not for the bad, where it causes problems. Else, when thou shalt bless with the Spirit... How shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen with thy giving of thanks, seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest? So Paul, he seems to be dealing with somebody who when they said grace, they were praying for the food. And they just began praying, oh God, bless this food. And then they began to speak in tongues. And there's these new people are sitting around saying, what in the world is he saying? What is he doing? So these people thought they were being so spiritual by exercising their spiritual gifts, but they were hurting people. And so Paul said, don't do that. He doesn't understand what you're saying. Thou verily givest thanks well. It's good. But the other's not edified. They're not built up. It would be much better if you prayed a prayer. God bless this food. Thank you for it. Let it meet the, the needs of our body. Bring us all together. We all understand that. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Do you think Paul was pro-tongues? Yes. He's saying, I'm glad I speak with tongues more than you all. Now, you'd say, that means he spoke other known languages. Now, Paul probably did speak more than one language. But that's not what he's talking about because at the beginning of the chapter he said, he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto man for no man understandeth him. Still here? All right, moving along. Yet in the church, to everybody else, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Doesn't do them any good. They're just going to sit there and say, what is he saying? Much better to say, sister, trust Jesus. Brother, repent of that sin. Sister, uh, love somebody and bring them to the house of God. They, un- they understand what's being said. They can act on that. They can't act on me speaking in tongues to them. They don't know what I'm saying. Brethren, be not children in understanding. Now, sometimes children are afraid of things. Well, my, uh, let me leave that out. Sometimes children may be afraid of things. They may be afraid of taking medicine. They don't want to swallow the pill. They may be afraid of going to the doctor, getting a shot. Many of us parents have sat there uh, in the pediatrician's office soothing our children as the doctor poked them with whatever vaccine they needed, polio or, or whatever it was that they were trying to keep them. The kid doesn't know better. The kid's just saying, ouch, that hurts. We understand they're being... Um, they're being protected from something far worse. So he's saying, listen, don't be a child in understanding. If you would say, hey, listen to your child. They're going to shoot you with a shot. They're going to hit you with this needle. 
And they're going to say, no, no, I don't want that. Please, mom, dad, don't be cruel to me. Don't be a child in understanding. Don't run from something that you need to be filled with. Amen? How be it in malice, hatred, be children. Understanding, be men. And the law is written with men of other tongues and other lips while I speak unto this people. And yet, for all that they will not, for all that they will not hear me, saith the Lord. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them that believe. If therefore the whole church be come together into one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that you are mad? You're crazy. What are you guys doing? Paul said, don't do that. The church is not meant just to be a a place for believers to be edified. It's meant for a place for unbelievers to come in and hear the gospel. If they just hear you speaking in tongues, they're not going to know what to do. But if I'll prophesy and there come in one that believeth not, there's, there's preaching going on. And as that preaching is going on, someone says, man, he's speaking to me. Sunday morning after service, the man said, I'm so glad I came to church. I felt like... God was speaking to me. There were things that were specific to me. That's what preaching does. Amen? And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. Man, how could they have known that except God told them? God must be in this place. That would be the result. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation, that all things be done unto edifying. Paul was writing to these Corinthians. They were were having a spiritual free-for-all. It was uh, Christians gone wild. I mean, it was just everybody's, this person's singing a song and this one's preaching and this one's giving a message in tongues and they're all standing up. It's just crazy and chaos. Paul said, that's not God's church. Let everything be done decently. Under, and in order, let it be done under edifying. So he gives some rules. Verse 27. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be two, the most by three, that by course, meaning let them have a turn, and let one interpret. So we know if, there's, if there were three messages given in tongues, and the fourth person stood up to give a message in tongues, That person's out of order because God said let it be two, at the most by three. And so if they're going to go against the Bible, brother, that's not of the Lord because God said don't do that. Amen. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. He didn't say not to speak in tongues. Let him speak to himself. He didn't say outlawing speaking in tongues in your personal private life. But if there's nobody going to interpret it. Now, how does this work? And I've been in church services where this has happened. Uh, usually, maybe at the end of the sermon or, or in, a, in a time where God's moving, somebody will stand and they'll give a message in tongues. The church is, after they're done speaking, the church waits. And it may be, it may be the preacher or maybe one of the ministers or somebody... God speaks to them the interpretation. They stand and speak in English the interpretation of what was said. And then we respond to it. So if after that person stood and gave a message in tongues, 
and there's no interpreter? Well, you have to question whether or not that was really a message from God. Amen? Because why would God give a message that he's not going to make clear to the rest of the church? Doesn't make sense, does it? All right. Let the prophet speak two or three. Let the other judge. If anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. For you may all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be comforted. One by one, two or three. But when he said, that's a nice sound. Is that my warning? Preacher, your time is up. I know. I'm almost there. Hang in there. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So God is not going to overrule you in this sense. He said, God may nudge us to give a a message in tongues, okay, and we would stand and give the message in tongues. But there may, may be also times that people have not done it when God wanted them to because you still have to respond to God's nudge, his urging. Spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. All right, now, I want to skip ahead and answer some objections that people have. Boom. Answering some objections. Sometimes when you talk about this and you teach about getting filled with the Holy Ghost and people who are filled with the Holy Ghost speak in tongues, they have certain verses that others have told them. And they will speak up and say this. Well, the Bible said tongues shall cease. Let me read you the verse, 1 Corinthians 13. Charity never fails, faileth, love never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. All right. So, quick question. Tongue shall cease. But he said here, where there be prophecies, they shall fail. Let me ask you a question. Have prophecies failed? Have they ended now? I'm preaching to you, right? So that hasn't ended. Has knowledge vanished away? Are we still able to uh, aggregate and gather knowledge? Yes. So if preaching hasn't stopped and the ability to gather knowledge hasn't stopped, have tongues ceased? No. Some people will teach you this. They'll say, well, that which is perfect is the Bible. And they'll say, because now that we have the Bible, tongues have ceased. But if that be the case, then preaching should have stopped. And the gathering of knowledge should have stopped. But they have not stopped. So then we understand, though the Bible may be perfect, that's not the perfect one that he was talking about. The perfect one that he was talking about when he comes is Christ. Because when Jesus comes, you won't need me to preach to you. When Jesus comes, the Bible said we will know even as we are known, so there won't be any need to gather knowledge anymore. When Jesus comes, there won't need, uh, be a need for us to speak in other tongues anymore. He is the perfect one, but he hasn't come yet. And so until he comes, they're still preaching, there's still the ability to gather knowledge, 
there's still tons. One objection. Um, skipping forward. Next objection. That was for the early church and no longer needed now. Well, God did that there in the book of Acts because there were people from other, other nations and they needed to be able to speak to them. Well, that was the gift of tongues. But let's read this. Acts chapter 2, verse 39, speaking about the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Does that speak of an end? He said the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. You got the same verse up there, right? It, it's, it's there. That means it's to me. So it wasn't limited to just the book of Acts there in the upper room. Thank God. And I shared with you my personal testimony. I wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost in the church. There wasn't somebody there speaking to me. I was filled with the Holy Ghost on the side of a highway. I didn't even know what happened when someone gets filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm so glad it happened that way because then later somebody couldn't come by and take it away from me. Because God had filled me with the Holy Ghost. Amen. All right. Next one. There's no interpreter. So if I come to the altar and I'm asking God to fill me with the Holy Ghost, but there's no interpreter, then maybe God's not going to fill me with the Holy Ghost. Remember, though, the difference between the gift of tongues is, and, and getting filled with the Holy Ghost is the gift of tongues and the message in tongues is meant for the church. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost and you speak in other tongues, that's not meant as a message to the church. There doesn't need to be an interpreter because God's not trying to communicate to the church when he fills you with the Holy Ghost. Going on. I already read this to you. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. I think... That's it. And so I will, I know my time is up. I went nine minutes past. Forgive me. Um, I won't say I won't do it again because it may happen. Amen. So I'm not sure how sincere my repentance is. Um, but now if you have questions, again, I know I spoke quickly tonight. I encourage you. Rewind it on Facebook. Rewind it on YouTube. You can find it there. Feel free to come and talk to me if you missed the first one. Last week, we dealt with a bunch of the other scriptures. Go back and follow that, read that. It's uh, there again on our Facebook and YouTube page. How do I find that? You look for these letters. New Testament Christian Church, St. Louis, N-T-C-C-S-T-L. N-T-C-C-S-T-L. So if you find those letters, N-T-C-C-S-T-L. Search for that. And if you search for that, you will find our Facebook and YouTube page, and then you can look for these um, teachings. Feel free to ask me afterwards, too. All right, with that, let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. It just takes all of the guesswork out of it. People can't manipulate us when we know what your word says. We thank you for the understanding God, I pray if there are those here tonight, they've been saved, they've asked Christ to forgive them, but they haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost. 
They haven't yet spoken other tongues as the Spirit gives them utterance. I pray that any fears or any doubts would be removed and that even tonight, as they ask you, you'd fill them with the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you so much for what you've done and what you're going to do. Continue to bless your church. Help us as we continue to reach our city for you. Help us to keep our 90-day goal, our 2023 daily habits before our eyes so that we can do something for your kingdom. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you is our prayer. Once again, downstairs in the fellowship hall, come join us for a piece of cake and uh, wish little charity a happy birthday. And we'll look forward to seeing you there. If you can't stay around tonight, we'll be back in church Thursday night, 730 for our midweek service. God bless you. You're dismissed.